0: Before we dive into today's episode, I want to share an exciting opportunity with you. The Breaking Free Workshop will teach you a step-by-step guide to turn your passions into profit. Join us for a transformative experience where you'll learn how to smash through your career plateau with a personalized plan in five strategic steps, avoid common mistakes that could be holding you back, and identify critical actions for the next month to accelerate your progress toward your goals, don't miss this opportunity to take control of your career destiny and create the lifestyle you desire. Your first workshop is free. Register now for the Breaking Free workshop. Visit smashingtheplateau.com/workshops for all the details. That's smashingtheplateau.com/workshops.
1: The CEO or the entrepreneur is someone who looks into the vortex of failure every single day and has to make the decisions that no one else can make or will make.
0: Today, we are honored to have Michael Levin on the show. Michael is a distinguished New York Times bestselling author and ghostwriter whose expertise has benefited CEOs of major corporations like Boeing and Ford, sports legends, and top-tier professionals across various industries. Michael will be delving into his journey from being a corporate refugee to becoming a master in the art of communication and storytelling. He's going to share his insights on why selling is an integral part of entrepreneurship how content creation could be your business's game changer, and why building a community around you can be the key to overcoming the increasing isolation in today's digital world. Get ready to learn from a true industry titan about transforming your expertise into a thriving business, leveraging the power of storytelling, and the importance of human connection in an entrepreneurial journey. Now let's welcome Michael Levin. New York Times bestselling author and ghostwriter Michael Levin is the most prolific ghostwriter in the industry, having written, edited, published, or consulted on more than a thousand books. Michael's own books have been published by Simon & Schuster, Random House, Penguin, and a variety of other top publishers. He's written for the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, HuffPost, LA Times, Boston Globe, and many other top outlets. His ghostwriting clients include Boeing and Ford CEO Alan Mulally, Baseball Hall of Famer Dave Winfield, motivational speaker Zig Ziglar, NFL legend Pat Summerall, and countless other leaders in business, sports, broadcasting, real estate, finance, insurance, and many other fields. Michael, welcome to the show.
1: David, thank you. Happy to be here.
0: Michael, you have had a long career where you became a corporate refugee early on. Tell me about that.
1: That's exactly right. Sure. I wanted to write from the time I was a little kid and read Ask Mr. Bear or Winnie the Pooh or my father read those to me, whichever it was, and uh, went to college. And if you'd asked me what I was doing, I would have said I'm pre-novelist, or arrogant. Uh, Couldn't figure out how writers made money. Went to law school, got a job with one firm. They all but fired me. Went to a second firm. They did fire me because I had a bad attitude and uh, did turn in great work on occasion but not often enough, (laughs) I just, I was a square peg and I didn't belong and they knew it and I knew it. And I thought I could squeeze one more year out of it and put a few dollars away before I jumped off the cliff and became a full-time writer. Uh, They made that decision for me. The decision was no. So I was uh, out of uh, corporate America, which is to say two medium-sized law firms in Boston before I was uh, 27 or so, you know, three years in law school for about a year of work. In uh, law firms, unemployable. Tried to get a job in a third firm. Presented well, but uh, once they checked the references, it was all over. So, yes, I was a corporate refugee even before I uh, the ink was dry on my diploma.
0: Well, it, it's good to find out earlier on rather than later that you're a square <laughs> peg in a round hole. It sounds yes. um, way too familiar to me because my career followed a similar path where I studied engineering gosh, it was seven years of schooling and worked for about four years. I left my first job voluntarily and I was doing fine on my first job and I was actually doing well in my second job too. Um, But I did get fired, not for performance reasons. In, In my case, the company I worked for had lost a lot of business and they ended up terminating probably half of the engineers on staff, myself included. But nonetheless, it was, it was painful, yet it was still a trigger.
1: Well, when the moment comes, they either make the decision for you, or it was very painful for me, and David, I'm sure it was you know, painful for you to realize that it was time to make a shift. But the thing is that sometimes you have to get kicked out of the nest if you're going to uh, fly on your own. And I'm incredibly grateful that the golden handcuffs did not lock me into a legal career and the income and the responsibilities and the rest of it. Sometimes uh, just for kicks, I'll look up my colleague's from uh from my firms and see how they're doing. And it looks great. You know, they've got great titles and great jobs and the rest of it. And I wouldn't trade it for all the tea in China.
0: <laughs> and and then you did figure out how to make a living as a writer.
1: I did. I was very fortunate. I stumbled into meeting a mentor who was my mentor for 29 years. And he said to me, look, you creative people don't know how to do your best work when you don't know how to put bread on the table or pay your rent. So he showed me how to start a business, which was initially offering Private writing classes. I was teaching at UCLA and NYU at the time, and I'd sold three novels to Simon and Schuster by then. So I had some decent credits and I put flyers all around Boston. It was guerrilla marketing before guerrilla marketing was a thing. And I rented space from my yoga teacher in his studio and filled up two classes and then two more and then more and more. And then people started saying, why don't you consult with me? And then they said, why don't you start writing the book for me? And that's how I backed into ghostwriting. So I'd love to tell you that there was some sort of master plan. It was just simply I don't like starving. <laughs> I don't like not being able to pay my bills. This is no fun. And uh, you know, and there's a lot of ego involved. And you know, I went to Columbia Law School, and uh, so there's a big ego trip. And you know, being a Columbia Law School graduate. But the thing is that that ego was beaten out of me because seven years after I graduated, I was I, you know I'm a little embarrassed about this, but I was literally on heating assistance in the state of Massachusetts, this 30, 31 years ago, because I couldn't pay my bills because I had no money and they don't want the poor to freeze. So my classmates were making partner top firms and I was uh, waiting for my check. So it was uh, not dignified. And I, I, so when Bob said, I'll show you what to do. I said, I will do everything you tell me to do. And I did. And here we are. But you know, A, you
0: knew how to ask for help. B, You took it seriously and you followed the guidance. And see, the other thing that strikes me is you listened to your audience about what they said they wanted.
1: Yeah, all of that's true. I let the audience tell me, but not in an organized sense. I didn't think, well, you know, I'm going to do a listening tour and I'm going to interview 12 of my top clients. It's just simply they said, listen, you know, can you help me? Can I, you know, what's your hourly rate? And oh my gosh, I was literally in tears in tears with my mentor, Bob, every time I tried to raise my rates. And, you know, when I got it up to $95, I was who's going to pay me $95 an hour? I mean, you know, today, I, you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't bend over in this. Well, I would, but, you know, <laughs> but the thing is that it's just so funny that uh, at, at the time you, you know, you're exactly right. You, I, I let the audience tell me, I let, the, I let the buyers tell me, and they said, consult with me. And I said, yes. And then, I'll I'll tell you something interesting, David. A a few years ago, Bob and I were talking about this one company that had bought four companies the same quarter because they really wanted to have massive growth. And he said, I never let you grow that fast. So I was like, what? What are you talking about? He said, I never let you grow grow that fast because I knew that that would be really bad. I didn't want you to grow quickly. I wanted you to grow slowly. I had no idea that he was acting as a governor on my growth at the same time that he was. So sometimes the idea of, you know, of setting the really big, hairy, audacious goals and five million next year and ten million the year after that—it sounds great. But the thing is that uh, you know, sustained growth is a lot better than sort of hitting it and quitting it or hoping that you're going to have the good fortune to do that. So for whatever that's worth.
0: Yeah, no, no, it's it's um, very sound advice, Michael. What's one thing that a corporate refugee can do to be successful when they start out?
1: Get over yourself. You know, everybody's like, "Well, you got to go buy staplers," and you know. Forget all that stuff. You can get a co-working space and they've got staplers and they've got printers. The the key is that what you want is customers. And that means that it's easy to hide behind the trappings of what a business should be. This is what my office needs to look like if I'm going to attract clients. This is the high-level website that I need. These are the white papers I need to have commission. No, what you need is clients. And that means getting on the phone. And CEO uh, means, or entrepreneur really is secret code for head salesperson. Your job is selling. And then once you sell, you can fulfill on what you've sold. And if you sell enough, you're going to need to hire other people to uh, fulfill on everything that you've sold. But the thing is that your job is not chief website guy or uh, chief office designer. It's chief salesperson. So you know, Bob told me the secret of success was bust your butt. He didn't use the word butt but close enough. this is a family podcast. So you bust your butt in what area? In in sharpening the pencils? No, in selling. And selling takes guts. One of my clients quoted Elon Musk to me uh, two weeks ago. And he said, Musk says, Musk is not necessarily my beau ideal as a uh, human being, but I like what he said here. He said, the CEO or the entrepreneur is someone who looks into the vortex of failure every single day, and has to make the decisions that no one else can make or will make. And I think that's exactly right. It's a very emotional roller coaster, and I'm an emotional guy, so that doesn't make it easy for me. Other people are sort of more sanguine about it, and they can sort of ride out the rough spots. But the thing is that it's all about getting over yourself and getting on the phone and selling and cold calling and asking for referrals and doing all the things that you might not have had to do in the corporate world where your work came to you, or your paycheck came to you, and your clients came to you. So it's all about hustling, you're behind. And otherwise, it doesn't matter how nice your website is if you, if you cannot or will not close. You gotta go out and close deals.
0: Michael, what are some of your techniques to get over yourself?
1: Well, sometimes people say, do you ever have writer's block? And I say, no, I have writer's mortgage. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I've, I've always been, less so now, but I've always been a high anxiety guy. And that anxiety gets me up early and drives me out of bed. One of the things I love is a line I read that uh, it might be Jeffrey Gittimer. Uh, he quoted a guy saying, all the money I've ever made that stuck to my fingers, I made before eight in the morning. So I'm a big believer in just getting up early and being clear about my day. I was told that, uh, or I learned that when people talk about time management, it's really emotion management. Because if I can manage my emotions, I'm not going to waste my time. And I have a list of things that I need to do, and I do them, period. It sounds so simple or so basic, but I get the sense that a lot of people don't do that and they're not successful. I used to hang out with a bunch of. I'd have lunch with my buddies and then I'd go back to work and like, "Come on, we're going to sit on the we're going to sit on the promenade in Santa Monica and we're going to look at the girls." And I'm like, "Yeah, I got to go back to work." And they're like, "You're such a bore." Well, I may be a bore, but I'm married and successful today. And those guys are still hanging out looking at the girls, and now they're too old for the girls. So you know, it's sort of like you, you got to make your choices and. I just consider myself incredibly, incredibly lucky to do what I love, to know what I love and to do it. And the thing is that it means hammering. It means, you know, you just, success comes from hammering at it. I don't know any other way. I don't know any other way. And in terms of getting over myself, I think I'm fabulous, but you can't put fabulous on a, uh, on a deposit slip, you know? So you got to go out there and get the paper, as uh, Coach Prime says, <laughs> you got to get the bag.
0: So true. So true. Let's talk a little bit about your expertise and how it may apply to somebody who is a, let's say, mid career professional who has kind of maxed out his or her corporate career and either leaves voluntarily or gets pushed out and doesn't ever want to go back to that corporate environment again. You know, they want to stay in the same field. They're good at what Mm -hmm. they do. If they're able to sell, Or when they're able to sell, they can produce great work and great results for clients, but they've never run a business before.
1: I had never run a business before either because I was a knucklehead who had failed at law and had nothing else going except for a slightly sparkling writing resume, which doesn't qualify you for anything. So I had to go back to school. I went to Sandler sales training. I met a Sandler sales coach and I loved the way he talked. So I went to Sandler three times a week for two years. I didn't know anything about customer service, and I read about something called the Disney Institute. So I went to one of their courses, and then another, and another, and another, and I learned how to do customer service, and how to how to work with others in the business, how to run a business from a people standpoint. They give great courses. Didn't know anything about marketing, so I went ahead and uh, and studied marketing. I got a bunch of books and tapes back in the day on marketing. I used to love to go on eBay, because you could find cassette series, and I'm sure you still can, for pennies on the dollar. And you can buy a cassette player on eBay for 20 bucks. And I would just listen to all this brilliance wherever I was, in my car, uh, walking around. And I would just keep getting educated. And I went to, you know, I, I didn't know anything about uh, negotiation. So if, if people are old enough, they remember that Nirenberg on, on negotiating was a thing that was in your air, in your in-flight magazine on the plane. I bought the audio series of uh, Nirenberg on, on negotiating for probably $11 on eBay and listened to, to every tape over and over. So I learned to negotiate. And it's really, it really comes down to uh, the fact that there are a series of skill sets that are necessary to be a business owner. You've got a market, so you've got people to sell to. And then you know how, you need to know how to sell. And then you need to know how to take care of the people. And then you need to know what to do with the money. And, and that means you need to know how to bill. And how to get paid, and how to get paid when people don't want to pay you. What your options are. You know, I developed a system I call "threat and forget" for slow payers or no payers. I'd send them a letter saying you're going to hear from my attorney, and these are the consequences. And then I forget the whole thing. And if the check came in, great. And if not, move on. Nothing you can do. So you want to think about the fact that running your own business is is uh, means mastering to at least some degree the basic disciplines of business, marketing, sales, customer service, handling finances, and then uh, also how to think about your business and how to think about yourself as an entrepreneur. So I went to strategic coach. I've been going to strategic coach for 15 years, 16 years, something like that. And I go go almost monthly. You're supposed to go quarterly, but I, I have a golden ticket. I go every month and I soak it up because I want to think about myself as an entrepreneur more intelligently. So the short of it is, you know, don't tell me I'm going to figure it out. I can't figure anything out. I've never figured it out. What I've done is I've recognized where my weaknesses are or where the areas I I had gaps. And I asked who's really great at handling these gaps. I have a business coach. I have a therapist. I don't try to go through. Tiger Woods has a swing coach. All he does is hit a golf ball. Okay. Nadal, Federer, you know, all these guys had uh, coaches. Why shouldn't I have a life coach for trying to understand how to get through life? It's so much more important than hitting a golf ball or tennis ball, as much as I, you know, love watching those guys. So the short of it is uh, recognize the gaps, fill the gaps, become educated at those things, and don't try to figure anything out. There already are people who figured it out. Walk where they walk and you won't blow up.
0: Michael, as a knowledge worker, where does content creation and or your own book come into the equation? Tell me what you mean. So... You know, We've talked a lot about business basics, ha- how to run a successful enterprise. And when uh, somebody is an expert in a field and they're selling their expertise, you're an expert in creating books, which in particular, highlight somebody's expertise. So I'm wondering if you could explain a little bit about where writing your own book may come into the equation or any other kind of content.
1: Uh, yeah, I've done books for my own business as marketing tools. And they go out of date and you have to realize, you know, it's time to let that one go or to rewrite it. I have a really great web guy and I can come up with stuff at two in the afternoon and it'll be up on the website at seven that night. So, you know, th- that's great. It just, it, and I've worked, with him for, I've worked with him for 20 years. So it's, um, you know, having a facility for writing is, is good because everything in business requires writing. But at the same time, some things are really specialized. I did not know how to write a LinkedIn profile. I found somebody who was an expert at writing LinkedIn profiles. I might have found her on LinkedIn. I don't know where I found her. And I did a trade with her. I planned her book and she wrote my LinkedIn profile. So I have a LinkedIn profile that looks professional. I couldn't have done that. Again, it all comes back to don't try to figure it out. You know, trust the people who who figured it out and do what they tell you, whether it's Bob or my LinkedIn person or strategic coach or, or Sandler or whomever. But in terms of creating my own content, it's an advantage for me that I can do that. But the thing is that there are other people out there who are great at creating websites and doing all this other stuff. Just buy it, you know, buy the knowledge, don't figure anything out. Just find out who's great, let them do it for you. And then you know, strategic coach talks about being in your unique ability, which is identifying the thing that, that you get paid to do, that you love to do when you're doing it, you're in a state of flow. And they say you should be constantly increasing the amount of time you are in your unique ability to the point where you're there 85, 90% of the time. And whether you're good at it or bad at it, you enjoy it or you don't enjoy it, if it's not your unique ability, don't do it. Delegate it. So Dan Sullivan, the leader of coach says, make a list of everything you don't like to do. And then write at the top job description, because there's somebody out there whose unique ability is to do that stuff. Let them do it. Get out of the way. Don't micromanage them. Don't tell them how to do it. Just tell them what you want done. Works out. Uh, people burn out. You have to move on sometimes, but by and large, you can find great people. And you know, it all comes down to you have a unique ability. You have, a, you have the ability to solve certain problems for a niche audience. Focus on that and let other people handle everything else.
0: Michael, you've talked a lot about how individuals have supported your success. Could you talk a, a little bit more about how you tap into community to help you grow?
1: Sure. The biggest problem today or one of the biggest problems in the world today is loneliness and anxiety. I just moved out of uh, an office suite where there are a bunch of people. And it was really fun because, you know, people to say hello to in the morning and then I go into my little office. But, you know, the carpet was full of mold and the HVAC was old and disgusting. And it was, you know, I'd come out feeling worse than, uh, you know, I'd come out feeling like a year older after six, seven hours of work. So now I'm working from home. It would be very easy for me to never see anybody again. So the thing is that I get on a plane and I go to strategic coach once, once a month, I'm part of a support group. So I see a lot of people on a uh, daily basis. I have a lot of friends. I have uh, I belong to a religious institution and I, and I attend that on a regular basis. So I've got a whole bunch of different crews of guys over there. The short of it is that uh, human beings are social animals and we live in antisocial times. And if you're a big gun in a corporation, you know, you're walking down the street and, uh, you know, uh, you're Mr. Jones, the uh, CTO or the uh, the senior vice president of whatever. Well, you know, then they fired you and now you're Joe walking, or Jane walking down the street. Nobody cares. What do you do with the umbrella that has the, the name of your former employer on it? Do you, do you keep using that umbrella when you play golf? I don't think so. So you feel disconnected. And uh, we have all these technology devices. People forget that there's an app on the phone. It's called the phone. You can call people and see how they are. So I make it my business to stay connected to other people on a constant basis. I talk to my colleagues. I have a lot of referral sources. I stay in touch with them. I'm big on staying in touch with people. I'm big on that. I'm big on just dropping an email to somebody I haven't had contact with in three or four years and just saying, hey, how are you? Boy, I really appreciated our conversation when, or if they're a performer, I really love that concert that you gave. And you know, people have the time to respond to an email or a phone call, quick phone call. So you have to uh is this where is this where we wanted to go with this question, David? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is this yeah. is this is great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, you have to today because the bias is. Toward saying, "Oh, I don't want to bother them with a phone call. They're probably busy." Well, they're just as isolated as you are. They're sitting in their underwear, working in their home office too, or doing nothing, or watching Gilligan's Island, or, or you know, The Office, or whatever the, or looking at Instachat or Snapface, as Bill Belichick says. So you got to be around other people. And and if you're working by yourself, that mitigates against it. I'm very big on co-working spaces. I've worked on co-working spaces. For most of the last 20 years. And I love that because there are other people around. What do you do? What do you do? Let's get coffee. Let's talk. There's somebody to talk to when you're on a break. I'm big on that. So if you're, if you're self-unemployed or you're self-employed, you got to get off the couch. You got to put your clothing on. And then, you know, I'm not a big fan of putting on a three-piece suit, walking around the block and going back into the, into the house to start working, but you have to be around people because the social anxiety the insecurity, the trauma, the, uh, the misery, it's so high today and it, and it always leads in a very bad direction.
0: Yeah, no, I, I love everything you said about this Thank particular you. topic because we definitely live in a time where in spite of the devices, as you described so aptly, in spite of the devices, isolation is increasing and what it does to our psyche is just not healthy.
1: Yeah, you have to be around people. My son got engaged last night. And the girl's parents, I say girl, cause she's 20 and he's 21. It's like, and, and no, she's not pregnant. And the girl's parents threw a party and there were probably 30 people, 30, 40 people there over the you know, open house. And there'll be an even bigger one on Sunday. And I love that because, you know, I mean, for me, I'm a little bit introverted. So the idea of sticking my hand out and greeting 30, 40, hundred strangers, you know, it's not my ideal day. But the thing is that it's great because, I'm in a new social network. I'm in a new social fabric. And I, I now I have a whole new community of friends and I can be around them. My wife and I could go visit. And, and it's a beautiful thing. So this is, this is what life should be about. It's not about your laptop and your phone. You all by yourself 24-7, 365. That's just a, it's a ticket to hell. And now you have an expanding family. And now I have an expanding family, yeah. And uh, they want to get into production and, uh, you know, start having kids. So uh, God bless them. <laughs> a lot to look forward to. Well, congratulations.
0: Sure. Uh, yeah, congratulations you. on, on your son's engagement. It's all exciting. This has been a really packed discussion with lots of nuggets for professionals that are trying to make it on their own, are making it on their own and trying to grow. But as you said, there are always challenges to overcome and it's really important to, to stretch yourself To push yourself, get out of your comfort zone, meet people, and to sell. Because unless you're trying to run a hobby, you've got to sell to be in business. So thank you for everything that you shared today. If somebody wants to go deeper with any of these topics or learn more about you and your expertise or get in touch with you, where's the best place to go?
1: I'll give you a couple of options. And David, thank you for having me. It's been a great pleasure and uh, really fun questions and just fun conversation from my perspective. My website is Michael Levin Writes. My my name, Michael Levin, L-E-V-I-N Writes, W-R-I-T-E-S.com. I I have an online writing course for people who want to do their own business books as marketing and thought leadership tools for themselves, sales tools. It's called Best Earning Author. It's nice to be a best selling author, but I'd rather you be a best earning author because that way you'll make money and it'll be great. And then the third way to get in touch with me is to call. We're just talking about cell phones. This is my cell phone. Oh, we can't see it. It's not. uh, Anyway, I'm holding my cell phone, ladies and gentlemen. And the number on that phone is 617-543-3747. Again, 617-543-3747. Yes, it's a Boston number. Yes, I'm a Celtics and Red Sox fan. The Patriots, not so much anymore. But uh, the thing is that operators are not standing by. If you call, I'll pick up the phone. And we'll talk and we'll see if I can be useful to you in any way. If you just want to continue this conversation or you want to talk about a book, uh, you got me.
0: And I know from personal experience that Michael does answer the phone. <laughs> so yeah, and, and you're one of the few people who actually mentions a phone number as, as a way to, um, to get in touch. Um, it's something that I do as well. And very few people take me up on it. So it's, it's kind of interesting.
1: But only the right people.
0: Yes, absolutely. Michael, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau. It's been a really exciting discussion. My guest has been ghostwriter and entrepreneur Michael Levin. Thank you, Michael, for joining us.
1: David, my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Making the leap from the corporate career track to entrepreneurial business ownership ...can be done more effectively when you follow a system. In our Breaking Free workshop, you'll learn the five steps to smash your plateau, craft a weekly progress plan, and avoid common mistakes. This workshop is for dreamers, risk-takers, and those ready to accelerate their business journey. Your first workshop is free. Visit smashingtheplateau.com workshops for details and to secure your spot in the next workshop. Don't miss out on this opportunity for a career transformation. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash workshops. Join us on our next episode of Smashing the Plateau for more wisdom from industry leaders. Until then, keep striving, keep believing, and keep smashing.